This week's episode of The Dive is brought to you by Pelican Brewing. For nearly 30 years, Pelican Brewing has crafted the most balanced-tasting brews. Now, they're bringing the same satisfying taste to hop-infused sparkling water, with zero alcohol and zero calories. Sparkle Hops is a hop and fruit-infused new way to elevate your everyday. Expertly brewed from hops in two flavors, Citra Hop-infused sparkling water with lemon, and Strata Hop-infused sparkling water with acai. Start with a sip and breeze away with the balance of quality hops, ripe fruit, and punchy fizz. Refreshment, it's a pelican thing. Welcome to the Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all. Enjoy the show. Feliz Año Nuevo. Snowden. Gordon. Zinyan Kwailu Chukmun Nam Mai. Happy New Year, Portland. You did it. You made it through another year. Congratulations. In Portland, that is becoming something to be quite proud of, considering the current state of affairs. A lot of us joined shitty new clubs in 2022. Um, the Someone Stole My Car slash Catalytic Converter Club. The um, house slash camp slash car on fire in my immediate neighborhood club. The uh, duped by a ghost kitchen and or saw a rat colony at a cart pod club. The gun violence at my kids school slash community park club. Oh, yes. There were some real shitty fucking trends to be included in this year, but also kind of a a shared understanding of how our city is failing us and how maybe we can be better to each other. For example, um, while I was talking to Natalie O'Neill earlier this fall about her cover story, uh, Campfires Everywhere, we were talking about rampant, hard-to-fight campfires, and we were both stricken by the simple effectiveness of a neighbor with the means to do so just supplying a camp in his neighborhood with a small fire extinguisher. That's the energy I'm trying to bring to 2023. Small pebbles make big ripples. You feel me? It's Saturday, January 1st, and this is episode 104 of The Dive. This week, Willamette Week took a well-earned print break, but we wanted to start the year with a story of redemption that will ideally keep you vigilant and keep you kind in the new year. This week, I'm talking to Larry Muzzy, one of the first teenagers convicted under Oregon's Measure 11, who was recently pardoned, largely due to reporting by Rachel Saslow, whose father was the judge that convicted Larry. That's wild, right? I'll talk to Larry in just one sec, but first, here's what I learned from WWeek.com this week. Anthony Effinger reports that uh, Portland Parks Commissioner Carmen Rubio just approved plans to use $15.5 million in one-time fees assessed on new developments to build a skate park, a playground, a community garden, and to make improvements to Kelly Point Park 
and complete a master plan for a natural area near the Columbia Slough. Lucas Manfield reports that the Oregon Supreme Court just ruled that all prisoners convicted by non-unanimous juries must have their cases reconsidered. The fate of hundreds of state prisoners now rests in the hands of local prosecutors who will need to decide whether to retry those cases. And I rounded up the best spots to eat a little crispy winter air, i.e. go outside, and welcome the new year. All those stories are at wweek.com. Now, let's catch up with Larry Muzzy. In 1997, when he was 17, Muzzy was sentenced to 90 months in prison for first-degree robbery. A month earlier, he had turned himself in to Gresham Police for standing alongside a friend who pulled a knife on a man and took his wallet. Measure 11, passed in 1994, removed the discretion of judges when sentencing defendants 15 and up convicted of crimes like robbery. Muzzy hasn't been in prison for more than 20 years, but his felony record continued to overshadow his life, prohibiting him from applying for jobs, coaching Little League teams, getting loans, etc. Well, that is until last week, when he was pardoned. Um, there's a lot of you know gang violence going in going on in Portland at the time, and uh, I think it was just designed to be tougher on juveniles. And I don't think that they really considered uh, what the consequences would be. You know, I think it was more. I think what people were thinking when the bill was passed that it'd be other people's children that were um, going to be uh, prosecuted or. Uh, in prison. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it really broke my heart to read in the article from 2020 that your mother had voted for Measure 11. How does that conviction change a a 16-year-old's life? Uh, It was, I mean, I mean, here I was, um, you know, I was a very, you know, I was a part of the um, you know, the choir at my, at my school, um, the troubadours, which was like kind of a, you know, the next level, um, you know, singing group, you know, I was, after school I was doing, you know, I was doing daily doubles, uh, in my swim practice, you know, I was very, um, active. Um, and then going from, from that to kind of, you know, being faced with, um, actual, um, time, you know, doing time and, and kind of the consequences, um, of that night, uh, was just, it was so unreal. I, I, was, I really can't, um, describe it, but I mean, like, like post conviction, um, I think the, the article kind of sums up, um, Rachel did a really good job of, you know, kind of putting that in a, you know, compartmentalizing that and, um, but you can never really describe the feeling. It's like a slow death, you know, every, every day you wake up, you know, um, you know, my mother was the only thing that I really knew my, you know, my, my younger sisters, my twin brother, uh, and this small kind of, you know, um, isolated sheltered kind of existence. And then you go into that and then you just thrown into the 16, into the system at 16 years old. It's kind of, um, it's like drowning, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. every day you're grasping at something to kind of some familiar, some familiarity in your life, some um, sort of uh, something to help stop the fall. So you were 16 years old and you were in prison with like 
full grown men, the fenders. Yeah. I think at the, at the time, uh, you know, I was one of the first, uh, measure 11 cases. And I think that they really didn't, weren't sure of, and didn't really know what to do with me. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there weren't really, you know, in the adult system, there wasn't, they're like, here's a 16 year old kid, you know, he's, you know, adjudicated as a, an adult. Um, you know, he's going to be in the adult system, but they didn't really have anywhere, any, anywhere to like insulate me from, you know, the rest of the population. So I ended up in these really, uh, um, uh, just trying challenging situations. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really uh, made me feel some type of way to read that this judge was like maybe I don't belong, maybe I shouldn't be a judge. If if this is what the law is, maybe I shouldn't be a judge. Yeah, it really is. Ex- I mean, he you know you think back at it, and you know at the time I was like yeah, I was you know angry. Of course, you know I was angry at everybody. Uh, you know I put myself in that situation and. Um, so, but I wasn't seeing it from that point. It wasn't until later on when I had gone through like treatment or, you know, ownership groups and uh, treatment programs where I was able to kind of take responsibility and, and, you know, and put that, that portion, uh, behind me. But it's like, um, you know, he was, he had a job to do, you know, and I resented him for, um, a lot of years, but it wasn't until later on where I was like, you know, um, where I was able to put myself in his, his shoes Mm -hmm. and say, yeah, how terrible that would be to, you know, be forced to, you know, to, to sentence me, you know, because it's not like he had any, there was no other recourse, you know, it's either he was going to sentence me or somebody else was, you know. In 2020, you told Rachel that you were hanging on to your clemency application. Um, well, um, so as a result of the, the article, um, uh, Eliza reached out to, um, she reached out to, um, Rachel, uh, and then kind of passed on uh, her information and, uh, a couple of her students, um, work with me on putting together a packet and you know we worked together for a year you know wow we worked together i say i didn't do anything i didn't do (laughs) anything i just (laughs) i sat back and enjoyed their um talent i should say that (laughs) a year and a half uh later two years um i was granted my clemency eliza kaplan from lewis and clark yeah uh Willamette Week ran two different stories. Did did they miss anything when they were sharing your story? Um, no, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of nuance that you know is just, I guess, impossible to to cover. But I think that they, I mean, Rachel was extraordinary. You know, she, um, I, you know, I, I kind of had this preconceived notion of how it would be um, working with her. I was afraid, you know obviously you know but um she was like i i text her yeah yeah and i told her i was like i can't even believe i can't even i could not imagine the what type of courage that it takes to reach out to to me not knowing what type of response that you're gonna get you know that's some uh determination 
the pardon is official. Congratulations. Thank you. What's the plan now that the pardon is official? Oh, everything. Everything. Anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I woke up, um, you know, the next day uh, feeling like I haven't felt since I was 16, you know, like that I can do anything that I want, you know, um, that anything's possible and that, you know, there's obviously, um, you know, I, I was telling, you know, Rachel, when we first were doing the article, she said, what do you think that you'll do? And I said that I would love to go, you know, to law school and get my degree and then, you know, kind of work pro bono. Um, but it's like, you know, that sounds good and obviously it'd be a wonderful story, but it's, I'm, I'm 42 now and there's certain things that I can't do is, um, which would be more problematic for me to do, you know, like take on debt to like prove a point, you know? <laughs> sure. And, and so I think right now I'm just, I'm, you know, weighing my options and I'm just going to enjoy it. Hey, maybe, um, a wealthy benefactor will listen to this and say, well, I'll send Larry to law school. You never know. <laughs> Big thanks to my guest this week, Larry Muzzy. And thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, 